0: This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Douglas Lyons. Douglas, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to do a part two. Um, I, wanna be, I want you to be honest with me. Is this your first Zoom meeting of the week?
1: <laughs> it is. Of this week, yeah. Actually, yeah. And you're, yeah. you're
0: averaging, like, how many? About a week.
1: So I'm working on my first TV show, which is a blessing, and it's all via Zoom because half the writer's room is in L.A., um, one of the other writers is in London, and so I spend, at minimum, five hours a day on Zoom. At minimum. Lord Almighty.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, i uh, I want to talk about. I want to just get right into it. I know uh, we covered a lot of your background in the first episode about a year ago. How time flies. Um, let's just jump right into the into the mess, the, the pandemic. How are you? How are you staying positive during this time?
1: I mean, it's been especially recently. It's been a struggle. It's a mixture, right? Like some days I wake up inspired. Um, like there was a period in may june july where i had like meetings sort of every day and i was teaching and you know there were a lot of things going on um and then the tv show came about and so that sort of restructured my schedule um and then the weather started changing you know recently and so i realized that like i'm really connected to the weather if it's rainy or you know dreary outside i feel that um so it rained three days last week and i'm inside working and so i feel that you know yeah. um so it's really been monitoring where i am when i wake up why that is like why are you feeling the way you're feeling is it because you watch something or listen to a song that inspired that <clears throat> or is it because it's raining outside and you're in all day like really assessing why i'm feeling what i'm feeling um it's odd. I feel like I've had a creative explosion in my career during 2020 and COVID. But I, again, I say this all the time. I would give it all back if it could bring back the now 210 plus thousand people that have died of COVID. Like I, I would rather the world be in harmony than to be successful because that'll come when it's meant to come. So uh, it's been a roller coaster, you know. Um, yeah. And I'm being honest about like where I'm at, like being very transparent and vulnerable, which is in a weird way, not always something I think I had time to do. Um, but now I got all the time in the world. So <laughs> let, let's let it pour, baby. Can't go out. <laughs> I, yeah. I uh,
0: In terms of the writing, has that been uh, pivotal in, in raising your spirits? Do you find uh, solace And comfort in your creating when you get to sit down with the laptop or pen pencil?
1: Yeah, it's it's according to what the project is. I mean, the blessing of right now is the majority of everything I've worked on has been original or something I really enjoy. I try not to take projects that I am not inspired by. Um, But no writing and collaboration has been my foundation during this time and really for the first time jumping into the tv space like it is all collaboration there's 10 of us in the room two writers assistants and like you are you know pitching jokes and leaning on each other and it's everybody's story though one individual person writes every episode so the collaboration has really got me through right now as well um
0: Yeah. What, what, um, what have you, what have you learned? What are the, what are the immediate lessons that come to mind with this collaboration, you know, on zoom, when to contribute, when not to contribute, when to, you know, negotiate or what does anything come to mind in terms of it?
1: There's a really cool thing where like an idea does not go forward in an episode. If it bumps someone bumping, meaning like rubs in the wrong way. And so we'll discuss why. And, you know, unless it's a unanimous thing where like everybody really feels like this is the best choice like we'll have a discussion around it because it has to feel right to the group it's a group effort which has been really interesting and you also have like you know eight writers in a room coming up with ideas and everybody has different styles um but you're allowed to pitch like there was one day where i spent an entire six hours just pitching jokes <laughs>
0: You know, like funny? they separated the room. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, well, but it, you actually, when you have to sit there and scratch your head a little bit, you're like, yeah. wait a minute, let it, and then you feel like, unless it's really funny, you don't want to say it, but then that like mediocre funny joke might, might lead to a really funny, you know, because we, you bounce off each other, which is fun. And for me, that has been an epiphany of like, oh, you know, there's this myth that writers have to be scarred and alone and spend time with (laughs) themselves it's like well actually there is a space in which you share space and laugh and create together you know and that can be so much fun you don't really do that in theater land as much um it's pretty like lane specific um but it's that has been a fascinating discovery um and proof to like build uh television season via zoom like this is the 16th week today that we're starting she's just insane um but it, it lets you know that creativity is not um you know defined to a location that it can really be sparked anywhere um and that has opened my eyes to like why am i in new york like what do i where do i want a life like what do i need because you know i'm i'm working but i'm not going outside I think this year has been big for that.
0: What are you finding? Are you thinking of a relocation possibly? or?
1: I don't know. I feel like every day I, something changes. So I don't know. <laughs> like, I was talking to my roommate about this last night. You don't move to New York City for the accommodations. No,
0: nope, no. Nope.
1: You don't move to New York to be
0: like, hey, you know,
1: I'm going to stay in this like 400 foot apartment and like I'm, it's going to be a dream. <laughs> And when I come home, I'm just going to lay out and like have so much space. No, you come to New York with a dream. You find a box you can live in so you can go outside and achieve that dream. And you can have a place to come back and lay your head. Like that is really why you come to New York City specifically. And in this pandemic, you're living in your 400 square foot box without any reason to go outside. And it's been six months. And so it's, you know, according to the way of, you know, the world in the future, I, I'm just realizing, like, I need, I I love the ocean, I love the beach, um, a lot of actors have gone to LA right now with good reason, um, but again, it's going to be like sitting inside, but like, would you rather be sitting inside near the beach, you know, with like 60, 70
0: degrees during winter, or, you know? So. I, I feel you on that. I know, I relocated to Florida during this time, so I'm not even in New York, I'm down in Florida, which is nice. But it's not New York, but you know what? You're in New York and it's like, I can't even imagine, you know, what it would be like to not have the beat. You know what? So it's this, I get it. I totally get it. I'm curious if you could jump into, I'm all about journeys and I want to talk about your journey to this, this TV show that you're working on as much as you can share about it, um, network, uh, the network that it, it will be on the network of people that got you to it. What is the journey to becoming this writer for television?
1: Well, this is, ooh, ooh, you hitting on it. We're going right into it. Please. I actually got really, I, I was simultaneously thrilled and a little upset when I got the show because working backwards, two pieces that I have written, um, Bo, the lines of Pac-Chart new musical uh, that I wrote a book for, and then Chicken and Biscuits, my play that was running at the Queens Theater when COVID hit, were the samples that were sent to the showrunners, um, before my first meeting and on the call, uh, one of the guys was like, Hey man, you know, like I don't read theater scripts. They're mighty long. He's like, but I read the 90 pages of Bo, and it really got me. And I was like, I have never met these people. And the work itself, like made the move. Like that's what got me in the door. Um, and in that same breath, I was like, so why is it so hard to get these stories to theater people <laughs> to take them serious? You know what I mean? Because right. I, I think, I think, I think theater folks prior to now had the excuse of being too busy and the politics and the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if you take a moment to read the work, because what happens is I was doubting the work. I was doubting, you know what I mean? Yes, legitimacy of The work, when in actuality, when you put it in a different space and you look at it just merely on what's on the page, Mm -hmm. it was connecting with people and it has with other people in TV and film as well. So working backwards, that was an epiphany for me of like, oh, I've been operating on, you know, carrying this weight of what I did not feel in the theater necessarily. And that subconsciously challenging my belief in my own work only to be sort of... um, to be confirmed in another space with the same exact work you know yes. that was interesting um so that's how i got the job on the back and the front end um i can't say his name because that would give away too much sure, i sure. like really can't say that no I get, it. I get it
0: i get so it so annoying i get it i, I get it
1: I, I there's a way for you to find it but i won't tell you how um <laughs> so I was following up with a friend that I wanted to work with years ago and I'm a proactive artist like I think the business is as equal as the show um, That and as an actor you're not always taught that you're not taught to like make yourself the business like you're taught to be like I got the appointment like I booked the job and then like what's the contract I'll show up and for me I operate all around I mean it's also because I'm a multi-hyphenate so I'm, I emailed 16 theaters yesterday like I don't I wanna make sure that the people know about the work and I'm not depending on other people. So during COVID, I had all these ideas of like previous projects and like pitches. And I was like, maybe I'm gonna reach out to a friend of mine that I wanted to work with a while ago to see if we could work on this polka dots uh, idea. And we set up a Zoom and at the end of the Zoom, he's like, hey, might you have a writing sample? And I was like, yes. I've been working on this pilot of mine during COVID as well, and he was like, "Send it to me because we're we're filling this, you know, writers room." And I, you know, would you be interested in something like that? And I was like, ca- like in the call, I was like, "Yeah, i mean like, yeah," casually. I get off the phone. I call my best friend. I was like, "He asked me would I be interested in the writers <laughs> room." I was like <laughs> freaking out. I was like, "This is what we've been praying for." Blah, blah. Right. Uh, right. And so, right. about like less than a week later. I get an email from the production company asking, am I available for a meeting? So the first meeting was just me and the two showrunners and my friend. um, And they talked about the scripts and my style of writing and my imagination and what I would do with the show. And I hadn't heard of the show, so I had to research the show. Um, And that was a Friday. And then that Monday at like 11 o'clock, I got another email from the production company like the uh, coordinator being like, are you available today at two for now? Mind you, I'm like, uh, I could have had booked, you know, been so. And I was like, yes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. So I had a follow up meeting with the showrunners, my friend and um, one of the execs over there. And uh, we talked about the show, you know, and it's so weird. And this was a lesson in like energy on the call. One of the showrunners was like sort of looking down like he was on his phone. I was like, great. So I, I've they're bored and I'm not going to get this job. But I didn't know they were actually texting each other about me. Like that was part of what was going on, which is like, again, the stories we tell ourselves and the perceptions that we create may not be the truth. Um, so that was a lesson in that. Uh, and then it was about... Uh, 10, 10 days of waiting and walking in the park and listening to gospel music and just being like, it's meant, if it's meant to be, it's going to be like, it's fine. It's fine. I am <laughs> not think it. it's fine. It's fine. It's like, no. um, right. and, uh, and then a bit of pressing. Cause I had like a vacation plan and I knew we started, I would have started July 6th. And so it was fourth of July weekend soon. And it was like to my agent, like, can we get us something like what is going on? Because I'm not, you know, I have other things to do. Um, and then we got, the email like really late at night and it didn't seem real until it was real and then it was real and then it was real oh um, my
0: god, that's incredible congratulations
1: thank you that's, thank you
0: it's you are you feel ready for it you feel like a preparation has led to this moment of opportunity
1: yeah i think i think so we rewrote parts of Bo at the top of the year and that like updated script is what went out um so that felt really good uh, also I just believe in destiny I believe that like people are meant to be I believe that I went on the Book of Mormon tour at that specific moment as Ethan was graduating college and we met on that for a specific reason like if I had not reached out to my friend about this zoom call for you know a former project that I was thinking about it would I wouldn't have the show Yeah, because that put a light bulb in his head which then became all these other things so yeah, there's like this quote, like, what's for you is for you. But I really do believe that. And this year I've learned to release things that are not. And when they feel wrong and they rub, um, it, it, it's not let it go. Like, it's not it's ultimately not going to serve you. Um, and looking back at my acting career, like I was up for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Kinky Boots many times. Hamilton all these things if I had gotten those things I wouldn't be the writer that I am now because it would have occupied a lot of my time so what became my like awakening was like oh we can go to work at beautiful when we're on the stage hit it and when we're off for 45 minutes I was writing in the hallway I was writing bow and chicken and biscuits in the hallways of beautiful and having written then prepared me for the moment now and, but I, in hindsight, I would not have known that. And like, when I wasn't booking those shows, it's like, oh my God. But it's like, actually I was being prepared for something that I couldn't even see at that moment.
0: It's beautiful to see it firsthand right now. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, theater, your first partnership with Ethan and Bo. Uh-huh. Um, have you guys been developing or discussing future musical theater writings? Or is that taken a pause for the moment with TV?
1: We Five Points, our other musical that we're working with on uh, with Andy and Blankenpuehler, we've been actually doing some rewrites. We wrote a new song. Um, we've checked in every couple of weeks on the project. And I think we're going to go away in December and knock out some new act break and act two stuff. So we have been working. We actually, we've done six projects during covid. Um, a couple have been TV film related last night was this drag out the vote event where all these broadway divas sang like tunes and drag queens lip sang to them and we wrote the theme song for it um because josh is you know a boss and uh it was on good morning america like the song was on good morning america so like Really small and awesome things have happened. I don't think we're tapping into any new musicals right now because we want to take care of the two babies we have. Sure. But we do have another project that's getting some traction in the TV film realm. So. That's so exciting!
0: I know it's all the little pieces that add up to the whole pie.
1: Yeah, it and like, is. I a lot of the projects that have come to me personally during this time have been suggestion. You know, have been someone being like, "Oh, call Douglas. He does this," or like, "He might," you know, and then before you know it, you're I'm not applying to things things are coming to me um and that's again a gift as well
0: it's a, it's so it's so beautiful and you're I mean you're and you've really covered this now and I want to talk a little bit more about it but you're you're living in the work and I see it on that wall behind you if you're willing to talk about it uh, I see COVID stuff and then I see what looks like scene breakdowns <laughs> so let's start with the COVID stuff as a palate cleanser here <laughs> and then we'll go to the scene breakdowns but what do you got what is it looking like here uh well there
1: became a point during COVID where when I talked to my agent there were so many things going on that I didn't want to forget and I right. I'm a dreamer so I've had that wall since like 2015 2014 um and I would always do a column of dreams so like it was like 2015 TV film leading a Broadway show blah, blah blah all these things and then if they didn't happen or I changed them it would transfer to the next column and the uh, if you can't see it but it says 2019 2020 TV film is. project um is at the top of that and like that's one that i can cross off um boat off broadway we were supposed to go off broadway this year like that was one that was going to come true so and it's funny like i've manifested things that have happened in different ways like at one point hamilton was up there and it did happen that year but it happened by working with andy like that was the version (laughs) of hamilton you know what i mean so <clears throat> it's just my wall of dreams and like organizing my thoughts and making sure that when I talk to my reps, I'm going through all of the projects and not meeting, I'm missing them. Um, so yeah, that's what that is. And then I have a TV pilot I've been working on since last year. And, uh, my new manager was like, you need to break out the episodes and be prepared. So when we pitch to network and studio, you have the full show broken. So, it's funny, I put that up there, and then I started breaking it on my computer. <laughs> but, I, but I can take, the cool thing is, like, if for some reason down the road there's structural things, you can move around the stickies to different episodes if I need to. Yeah. Um, so, slowly but surely, like, building universes is sort of my thing right now. And I love it. Like, I think I fell in love with, like, theater and not knowing it, I was actually falling in love with telling stories. So why I became an actor is because I think that was the only way. And now that I've realized I can write stories and move people and I don't have to be on stage, I'm leaning a little bit
0: more towards that. It's a beautiful thing. It's so beautiful. I, I literally just had a question and it has completely left my mind. Goodness gracious. It'll come back to me. Storytelling. I want to jump into this massive conversation. I it feels massive, and you're more in it than I am. So you know, you'll give us the truth here. Uh, the way stories should and could be told, uh, views that you have on it, uh, hopes for the future. What does that look like in your eyes?
1: Uh, I think "could" and "should" are very dangerous words. I think. Um, they hold back the potential of our art form specifically expanding in new directions. Um, like we were working last night and I was talking to Ethan about the device. Like I'm a person who loves a device as a way into a story, like creating the world of Bo, it being an actor musician band that you just came to see. And Oh wait, they're telling a musical theater story and bleeding that line. Um, polka dots creating this world where none of the characters seem Human, but all their heartbeats are right. So, I think there's a Lena Waith quote where it's like, We should be allowed to tell the stories, our stories, in the way that we see fit. And I think what's happened in COVID is there's a lot of policing of how one should be telling stories and what should be allowed, and blah, 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 blah. blah. And the, uh, it's such a larger conversation, maybe we have time for it. I don't know. But <laughs> I think, I think if you ever feel one ever feels like they are in control of telling someone else how they should tell their story, I to that person who's challenging them, I hope they have a, a, a checkbook to help that new version of that story, because opinions don't make things happen, right? True. They just don't. And my thing, my philosophy is like you, as an if if you an artist. Critiquing another artist's work, you have the ability to go create something yourself. Like that's, I literally was just an actor until about twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. or I mean, I started writing book in like twenty seventeen. But 2013, 2014 is when I transitioned more into writing. But like, I was an actor, solely an actor, right? Mm-hmm. But then I I figured out, oh, maybe I have a little musical talent here, and I met Ethan, and the rest is history. So my point is like. I don't think we have the ability or right to tell people what they should or should not be doing. Um, We can tell them how we feel about it, like why it may not make us feel the best. But I, I think the moment we start putting labels on who should be telling what stories and what, you know, then it it can become a very boring art form. Cause that means like, I should only tell black stories, right? And I only like, tell
0: white stories and who wants another one of those? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to. So it's like,
1: I'll be ultimately working towards a better world where, again, I'm not trying to erase culture or heritage in any way, but sometimes I think we're so fixated on it that there's like a fetishizing of it, um, you know, I have a couple of friends who are doing big things in TV film land, but a lot of the narratives that they are playing are historic, pained, oppressed, you know, racial stories. And it's like me personally, I'm tired of seeing that narrative attached to my skin in every medium, because as much as we cry, we smile. Can we see that?
0: Hello. (laughs) can
1: we see that but entertainment is sort of obsessed there's this weird thing where it's like it has to do with civil rights there's a guilt and it feels like there should be an honor to tell that story because it happened and for me if i've seen it in a documentary and someone's been murdered or hung i don't i don't need to see that in a film i me personally like i've seen so many of those stories i'm i'm good like i'm good i can go and watch i can read about it but i don't let let's use our artistic spaces for jobs for folks of color to actually breathe new life and not have to relive the trauma of the past that I, yeah. that's where that's where i'm coming from i that was an answer that was all around and about but i think i answered your question
0: that was on the money that was right on the money cuz you're right it should be it should and i i see what you mean it should be a celebration more so than just these constant same narratives you got to switch it up and i get it you know everything is being talked about so Profusely right now, and it feels that way. That some people might be taking it a bit too far, because you're absolutely right. I had a conversation the other day with um, with um another one of my guests, and he had mentioned that it's like a salad. You know, you need everyone, and it can all be it can be a collaboration. We don't have to just stick to our own, you know, story.
1: Well, the writers' room are two straight dudes, uh, like a non-binary writer. A lesbian two queer guys like a middle-aged right like it's such a be- two women like it's such a beautiful room and we're creating a world together but if it all looked the same the ideas and the background of what we bring to the table might be similar so it makes the soup itself and salad a little less interesting there's less you know salt and spices there it's just and,
0: lettuce.
1: No. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah you know what I mean. and so i i, I seek And what I'm learning, even at, like, you know, the quote-unquote top-tier levels of these rooms and stuff, it's, like, it's all collaboration. It's never singular. And I think the mistake of theater, especially from the writing perspective, is you feel very alone. You feel very much like, please read my script. Like, there's not a sense of community. And because you are the playwright or the lyricist and there's only, like, a small group of you, if that show doesn't take off or whatever, it can be very damaging. But, like... The talent you may bring could be really appreciated in other spaces, and that's that's where my mind is sort of opened up. to is like, I love the theater, but I'm also rooting for the theater to expand itself. And we didn't want to talk about the Tony Awards this year. We don't want to. Talk, we don't want to go there. Are we can sure? go there.
0: This is a I mean, recorded platform. I I'd <laughs> anything you want to I mean, say. Everything
1: I've said <laughs> on my Facebook status is what I would say on this podcast, yeah. which is like all the new musical nominees are jukeboxes this year. And they chose not to acknowledge the one new musical regardless of how they felt about it at all. So do you want the future of musicals? Like, do you want a new wave of art coming forward that have original stories to tell? Or is it like specifically commercial? And if that's the case, let's own that. Yeah. Somebody come out and say that, yeah. but let's stop pretending we're looking for the new if we're not.